you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am your host, Janine Garner, and it is wonderful to catch up with you all again today. It is a beautiful sunny day here in Manly in Sydney's northern beaches, and have I got a joy for you today. Uh, My latest guest is the fabulous Kate Christie. She is the founder and CEO of Time Stylers, which is a time management organization. She's a global speaker, the best-selling author of four books, and her most recent book, Me First, The Guilt-Free Guide to Prioritizing You, is available everywhere. Now, don't we all want to stop feeling guilty about prioritizing ourselves and getting back in control of our time? Kate talks about quitting the busy, about getting back in control, and sets us all the challenge of reimagining your time so that you can be your best self at all times. Kate consults to big and small businesses, to government departments and C-suite executives, and it's all about maximizing individual time spent and managing uh, organizational drag through smart time investment strategies. She's appeared on TV, radio, and in print as a leading commentator on productivity and maximizing work-life integration to ensure your success. Here's the kicker, right? She has a reputation for helping her clients find 30 hours of lost time a month. Imagine that. Imagine being able to find an extra 30 hours a month to for you to do what you actually want to do with that time. Well, listen in, because Kate's focus is all about ensuring that you get that time back. This is a fabulous episode, loads of tips. And if you get the chance, definitely grab hold of her latest book, Me First, The Guilt-Free Guide to Prioritizing You. Please welcome Kate Christie. Welcome to today's podcast. I am absolutely thrilled to have Kate Christie as my guest. Uh, Welcome, Kate. How are you today? Oh, I'm terrific, Janine. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, it's fabulous. Now, I can't wait to get into your latest thinking, your latest book, which is all about the guilt-free guide to to, uh, prioritizing you. As a mother of three teenagers, I think this might be a very selfish podcast of me trying to get lots of tips from you. But before we get there, um, just give me a little bit of backstory. Um, Tell me a little bit about, you know, for our listeners, who you are, what you do, and really how you ended up here. Sure. So I'm a time management specialist and I'm a global speaker. I'm the best-selling author of four books and my passion is very much around time and making sure that we have the time to curate the lives we want to lead. Uh, You know, we so many people I speak to are just busy. You know, you ask them how they are and, and they say they're busy and and it's because we're living these phenomenally reactive lifestyles and it's about just dialing down all that noise, working out what is absolutely most important to you, focusing your time and energy and intentions in that space so that you can really 
curate a life that you want to live. And and we just need to slow down and and focus on those important things. So that's that's what I do. That's where I work. That's my space. And I can't imagine as a, a small girl, wherever you were growing up, that that was the thing that you <laughs> were going to do. Can you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? I, I do. I, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to write and I wanted to write books and I definitely didn't follow that path. I I went to university to, and back in the day, you know, it was like, well, get the best degree you possibly can and then assess your options so I I did a law degree and I was going to go into journalism but I thought well I've done this degree I really should actually become a lawyer because I've done all this work so I did my articles and then I thought well I really should practice for a little while because I've done all this work and and I did all of that and I hated it you know I (laughs) absolutely hated being a lawyer it was um, stressful. It was confrontational. It was um, certainly back then very, very kind of blokey, and I hated every second of it. And so it wasn't until I was forty that I followed my true, genuine passion. I wrote my book, and everything changed from there. So no, I didn't. Definitely didn't dream of being a time management specialist. I was a little girl but funnily enough I was going through I was doing the big declutter recently and I was going through some old files and I came across um, some analysis that had been done on me when I was a, an executive working in corporate and you know it was one of those sort of 360 things where everyone and their dog gets to give an opinion of you and uh all of this analysis was just hilarious because I was reading through it and it was sort of really, you know, Kate's very focused and she's really good with managing her time, but she just needs to slow down and, you know, bring her team with her. And and it was (laughs) all of this stuff, which I now do, was very much about having everyone kind of on the same page and being focused together and controlling your time. And so I guess I always had it in me, Janine. Uh, isn't it fascinating when you actually look back? I had uh, I had someone saying to me the other day, you're just the queen of reinvention, Janine. I went, what? No, no, I'm not. And then it made me sit down and sort of do the timeline of my life. And I literally went, oh, my gosh, every 10 years I decide to pack it all in and do something else. That's just really scary. I never realised that's what I did. Um, but it is funny, isn't it, where you almost someone's showing you a mirror through your, through your history and you go, oh, wow, I was yeah. always meant to do this. And, and so I think I, being the queen of reinvention is awesome, right? I mean, when you, <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm talking about when it comes down to thinking about your time and where you invest it. And it's about making sure you're spending your time where exactly where you want to be. And so if you're kind of over what you're doing, then invest your time to think about, well, what's the new version going to be? What, where, How am I going to reinvent myself? So I love that. I'm all for that. So, so what happened at 40 for you to change tack? What was, what was the tipping point, do you think? Look, it happened just for prior to 40. Uh, I was uh, working as a senior executive. Um, I had three small children. I had three children under three and a half when so I had three babies in three and a half years which was absolutely insane um I was working all of the time I was trying to be a great mum I wasn't doing anything particularly well and the guilt 
and the stress, the anxiety, the judgment, I think I guess I felt other people placed upon me were just becoming really overwhelming. And I remember the day that it all came to a head and I was, um, you know, one of, uh, I was one of a generation of women who was told I could have it all, right? So, you know, the wheels really did start to wobble when the kids came along. And I remember this particular day I had decided I was going to delay leaving for work. I, you know, I was usually in at work by seven, you know, ridiculous hours when you've got three child, little children. And I thought, no, I'm going to take my son to school and there I was in my beautiful black suit with my high heels and my red lipstick, you know, looking a million bucks with snot from the corner of my shoulder all the way down my suit because it was cupcake day. And I didn't have any cupcakes. My son was hysterical. Everyone else is there with a cake, you know, a tray of cupcakes. I'm like the bad mother. I literally fled from the playground, got in the car was driving to work. I was crying my eyes out thinking, you know, of the 25 years of cupcake therapy my son was going to need. I rang my mom and said, mom, you know, you've got to get to the supermarket, go and get the cupcakes and put them on a plastic plate and take them out of the container and, you know, just bang them up a bit. So it looks like we made them and take a bite out of one, you know, and I don't care if there's nuts in there, mom, just get them to the school. And I rushed into my first meeting of the day late Um, radiating guilt, covered in snot, and the whole room went quiet. And I looked around the room and I had this really profound realisation that I was the only member of the executive leadership team that didn't have a full-time wife. And I thought, what am I doing to myself? What am I doing to my kids? I'm killing myself here, not being particularly good at anything. And It was after that that I really started to think I need to do things differently. I'd completely backed myself into a corner where I felt that I could either have a brilliant career or be a brilliant mum. And so shortly after that, I opted out. I just thought I can't continue to live this way. I can't put my kids second all the time. Um, And I, I made that choice to opt out. And I guess that's where I spent a little bit of time then sort of, you know, doing mum stuff, completely just mum stuff. Um, and it was during that time, firstly, I guess I was, I became bored pretty quickly. I'm, you know, the first to admit it, that I'm very driven. I love work. I love my career. I love what I've created. And I needed something that was more than just the kids. Um, the second thing, I guess, that happened was I had the headspace to reframe how I was living. And I, I realized that I'd made the wrong decision. I shouldn't have. I didn't need to have opted out of my brilliant career. I just needed to be looking at my time differently. So that's when I kind of completely reframed my own time. I created a framework. I worked myself through my framework. It kind of worked and then it worked really well. And then my friend said, oh, can you help me with, you know, can you do to me what you did to you? (laughs) And so I did that. And that's when I then wrote the book, because I thought, look, other women need this. Yeah. And I think it's, it's not just women. I have to say, is, is, uh, is Bad Mums one of your favourite movies? Oh, I love that movie. I've got that on replay. I mean, 
and and God, I watched it and it was literally like, oh my God, someone's been watching my life. And uh-huh. I have to say, whilst my because uh whilst my children, whilst I was working full time and the kids at school, I mean you're telling that story about, yep, I've been there. I think sugar was my best friend because I would buy the cake, put it on a plastic, and just scribble a bit, you know, sprinkle a little bit of ice and sugar. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. My other favorite is the um Canadian um Netflix series Working Mums. Um, that is hilarious I mean that's like that was like my life on speed dial back back when the kids were really little and it's good you know we're we're talking a lot more about it now and people are more open about having the discussion about just how hard the juggle is but it's something we do need to talk about more yeah so so your your book your recent book so you're the author of four books but your most recent book is called Me First the guilt-free guide to prioritizing. Um, you know, what is your wish for this book? My wish is that every busy mum who's also a professional woman or she runs her own business or she's an entrepreneur, um, my wish is that every single mum in that space reads the book and sooner rather than later because it took me a long time to get my stuff sorted in this space. So if I can help just one young mum or one mum in her 40s or one mum in her 50s or 60s recreate and reframe how and where she invests her time, then that's my wish because I, I and the only reason I do what I do because I, I love it and I'm passionate about it, but the, the underlying reason is I don't want anyone else to make the same mistake that I made. You know, you shouldn't have to choose between two things you absolutely love for want of time. So, you know, if I can just help people and women and working mums, but also, you know, working dads, if, if, if the book can help them completely reframe in a very practical, implementable way exactly where and how they're investing their time, then that would make my, make my year, Janine, that would make my year. And in terms of why it's important, so I get the time management and being able to prioritize and, and get stuff done. Uh, but having having read the book, there's 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 something far deeper uh, in terms of the opportunity that exists for people to take control of of their time. Um, so I'm curious as as to what your take on that is. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm so glad that you, first, I'm really glad you've read the book. That's wonderful. And I'm glad that you sort of had that take out from the book. It is very much around control. Uh, you know, one of the three big issues I see with people in terms of investing their time is that they just don't control the agenda. We are so reactive now. You know, just think about a typical day. You know, we get up, we wake up within 5, 10, 15 minutes, we're reaching for our phone. Um, we're checking our inbox, we're checking our messages, we're checking Instagram, we're checking Facebook. And all of that means we've lost control of our day within, say, 15 minutes of waking up because nothing on that phone or that device is going to be, you know, have a brilliant day, Janine, you're the best, go and kill it, you know, um, hope your book's doing really well and here's how I can help you. And it's all about I want, I need, when is, can you? It's someone else's inbox. And so we've lost control of our day even before we start, even before we get out of bed. And so it's about 
seizing control at the basic levels, things like, you know, don't check your phone immediately, but also seizing control at a far deeper level, you know, making sure that we're living a life that's consistent with our true core values, that we're spending our time where we want to spend our time. You know, it never ceases to amaze me when I talk to people who are really unhappy in their job or unhappy in their life or, you know, we've got the choice to change those things. You know, you can choose to do things differently, but it it takes that time to sort of take yourself into the room of mirrors, have a good hard look. How do I feel about this life I'm living? And if it's not where or what exactly you want it to be, then you have to seize control and make some changes. Mm. So people that are listening right now that may be nodding their head without, you know, giving away the entirety of the book, are there sort of one, two, three um, absolute must-dos that you would advise our listeners to start trying to consider, to implement, to get back control, to feel like they are prioritising themselves versus everybody else? Yeah, well, I guess the best way to answer that is that the book's broken down into three parts. So the first part is around some of the crazy mistakes we make as, you know, professional women who are also mums. And and it's things like mother's guilt, you know, superwoman syndrome, you know, a busy lifestyle syndrome, um, imposter syndrome. So the first thing I'd say is Get a handle or, or at least acknowledge that if you're feeling those those sorts of feelings and, you know, do a deep dive and, and ask yourself why. You know, if you're a, a senior executive or you're doing well in your business, you know, it, there's a reason for that. It's because you're awesome and you're talented and you're amazing. So stop thinking that someone's going to come and tap you on the shoulder and ask you to quietly leave the room because you're an imposter. You know, so the, the, I guess the first thing I'd say is, be aware of some of this crazy stuff we indulge in and challenge it. Um, the second part of the book is uh, a series of exercises that take you through a, um, the five smart steps, which is a program um, where you will regain control of your time. So it's a very simple kind of framework and it teaches you exactly how and where you're spending your time and what you can do differently with a heap of sort of practical, implementable strategies to get your time back immediately. So the second thing I'd say is that, you know, it's about reframing and and regaining control of your time um, and you'll get back a minimum of 30 hours of lost time. And then the third part of the book is around, okay, well, I don't want you to use that 30 hours to send another, you know, 400 emails or to, um, you know, have another 5,000 Zoom meetings. It's about setting and smashing some awesome, really, truly audacious goals for your future. How am I going to use those 30 hours to actually create the life I want in terms of where am I working, what am I working on, um, in terms of my family, travel, health, wealth. So it's about, okay, I've got you the time back. Now let's harness it and do something awesome with it. So just hang on. I just need to. I need to backtrack. Thirty hours, you said. Yes. That you can help people find an extra thirty hours of lost time a month. Yes, absolutely. Day. So how do you do that? So it's the five steps will get you that back. So the five, the the acronym for the framework is SMART. Step one: self aware. 
Um, it takes you through a series of exercises of understanding what your real-time pain points are and what your values are. You know, where do I actually want to be spending my time? Uh, step two is map, where you map in detail a couple of days of your where you can actually see on a plate exactly where you're spending your time. Step three is analyze. So you look at, um, you categorize everything you're doing into one of four categories, your musts, wants, things you could delegate and things you could reject. And it's your delegate and reject categories where you are going to find all of the lost time. And it's, you know, everything from how to outsource to um, how to delegate at work properly uh, to how to insource. You know, insourcing is the exact opposite of outsourcing. You know, outsourcing is where we identify everything we do for the people that we live with that we're happy to pay an expert to do because they'll do it faster, better and cheaper than us. So cleaning, for example. Insourcing is where we identify everything we do for the people that we live with that they can do for themselves that we don't have to pay them for. So clean up your floor drobe, make your bed, hang up your towels, unload the dishwasher. So it takes you, that step three takes you through exactly how to do all of that. And it also helps you cost your time. So you get a really good understanding of what your hourly rate is, but also what are your opportunity costs? What are the emotional and physical costs to you of doing everything yourself? Um, reframe. So you, that's kind of where the rubber hits the road and you make the decisions about exactly what you're going to do differently, what you're going to delegate, outsource, insource and reject. And then step five to take control. That's the implementation step. That's the kicker. That's where you actually have to make the changes, do the work, you know, outsource to the cleaner, um, have a team meeting with your family around what we're going to insource, who's doing what, write it up on a whiteboard. It's about what we're going to delegate at work and how we're going to do that. And then rejects are massive. You know, there's so many things that we do because we're creatures of habit that if you actually sat down and analyse them, you realise, hang on, that's crazy. Um, that's robbing me of time. Um, and, and we address those. So, you know, a classic reject, the number one biggest reject I see is when we multitask. So when you multitask, which could be as simple as having your phone on whilst you're in a meeting, it could be um, having your emails flashing in the right-hand corner of your computer the whole day. It could be having multiple tabs open. It could be having two or three screens open. It could be having someone saying, can I just have five minutes of your time? All of those are examples of multitasking. And when we multitask, our productivity goes down by 40%. So if we're doing those sorts of activities all day, every day, whilst we're trying to work, we're actually working 60% of our productivity. So, you know, you can start to see where we lose time. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Do you, um, you know, in this current climate that we're in right now, where uh, you're recording this right in the middle of, of COVID, um, majority of people are still working from home. Um, and if they are not working, but their better half is working from home, suddenly the whole dynamics of productivity I am sure are being challenged what are you what are you picking up what are you seeing in terms of some of the challenges people are facing right now yeah so look a lot of the challenges whilst people are really enjoying um, or many people are enjoying the flexibility that comes with working from home challenges I'm seeing are around you know uh, online fatigue so where 
people or businesses or teams are structuring back-to-back Zoom meetings, um, that's, you know, obviously a big productivity challenge because people, you know, your day isn't a marathon. It's a series of short sprints and you need to break it up with breaks. Um, You actually need to get some work done outside of the Zoom or the MS Teams environment. Um, Not having enough breaks. Um, Also, having your your work life completely morph with your home life. You know, there's often when we commute to work, there's that switch on, switch off phase. And that can be lost when we're working at home because we don't tangibly shift on and switch on and switch off by, say, catching the train or getting in the car or passing a, a sort of a landmark on the journey of your trip. So it's about building strategies around that. Um, the whole kind of interruption piece is a big one. Um, interruptions as professionals are working in a sort of a, a workplace environment, we're interrupted around every eight minutes. Each time we're interrupted, it takes us 23 minutes or up to 23 minutes to refocus on the task we were interrupted from. Now, that's compounded at home if we're having um, a, a scenario where your partner's working from home. It was massively compounded when everyone was homeschooling. And, and so those interruptions um, need to be managed differently and um, in, in a way that doesn't continue to rob you of time. So they're probably the major things I'm seeing. Also, the other one, I guess, is where with your team uh, you have too many or multiple touch points of communication, which is just confusing. Uh, it increases the risk of things falling through the cracks. So a lot of my clients, you know, some of them had you know, Zoom meetings and they had MST meetings and they had Slack, they had emails, uh, texts, telephone calls, um, you know, SharePoint and all these, you know, multiple communication systems. And it was just like, oh, my God, you know, you've got to check 30 things even before you can start work. So it's around some of those things that you think you're doing to enable communication, enable working from home, but you're actually making it harder for people. Yeah, it's 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 increasingly challenging, isn't it? We sort of think that working from home is is easy. I think in the first few weeks, you know, we we reveled in the fact that we didn't have to have to work or travel commute to work. Yeah. But there's a different dynamic of literally getting out of bed and being in the same house and having to manage yourself without without people around you that that is absolutely adding to people's fatigue. And busyness, I'm finding people actually can't switch off at all. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the best piece of advice that, that you've received um, during your, your career or this next stage of your career that you look back and you go, yeah, that, that was a gem. That was an absolute gem. Yeah, look, the best piece of advice I've ever received was um, when I was working in um, Australian corporate uh, in a um, top 200 um, ASX listed company and the executive uh, team and one of my sort of one of the big bosses uh, who had come over from America I remember working with him closely and I remember him saying to me you know data is king Kate you know whenever you're pitching whenever you're putting a new idea forward or for a product or a cost savings or some sort of efficiency lead with the data. Data is king. You cannot dispute the data. So that has, it worked well for me then. It has stayed with me now. 
um, you know, often when I'm doing, you know, talking about my book or I'm doing speaking engagements or podcasts, you know, I, I will share a lot of data because data is king. And it's very influential. It helps people make decisions quickly. It also helps people who are perhaps stuck um, become unstuck or change their views about a particular thing. So that's been the best piece of advice I've ever received. And it's it's something that I kind of live in and, and breathe with, you know, data is king. And given this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance, what does unleashing brilliance mean to you, Kate? Oh, I love that question. Um, unleashing brilliance to me is... I'm going to answer it this way. I I turned 50 this year, uh, which is obviously a massive milestone. It's awesome. It's exciting. Um, and I've never been one of those people who, you know, hates ageing. You know, I love my age um, and I love where I'm at. And I guess unleashing brilliance for me is that concept of being really confident with who you are and stepping into your space and doing it unashamedly and doing it with awesome confidence. You know, I I don't really, you know, I don't care so much anymore about the things that I cared about when I was, say, my 20s or 30s. You know, I, I, I don't really care that, you know, if everyone really loves me or likes me or wants to be my friend or, you know, if I've got an opinion, I'll, I'll share it if I think it's going to be of value. And and so I think unleashing brilliance is is having that confidence just to own yourself, you know, step into your authority and, and into your space and share willingly and, and continue to learn and grow. So, and I wish I had that kind of learning or confidence back in my 20s or 30s, but it's okay. I've got it now and, and that's what it means for me. Mm, I love that, and it and it is that ability to to step into your authority, to own who you are, your goals and your dreams. But but your work around you can have all those goals and dreams, but unless you're prioritizing the time that you're putting in, is it's 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 going to continue to be a dream. And um, it's this concept of the opportunity cost of saying yes too many times, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It takes off your dreams what's what's your wish for um all those people out there that are, that are trying to juggle so much now when you look at where we're currently uh living as we're trying to reimagine our future or recover uh from this period of, of acute emergency that we've lived through um what what is your wish uh when you look at the world of corporate you and I have both ex-corporates uh, you and I both had the similar trigger points of deciding that we, if we were going to create our own future, we had to take ownership of it. So looking back, what, what's your wish for, for the world as we enter into this recovery phase? Yeah, look, I, my, my wish is that we don't return to business as usual or that we don't return to normal, whatever normal was. Uh, we have the most unique perfect opportunity right now to redesign business as usual version two uh, both in a corporate perspective both in a uh, a business or an entrepreneurial perspective but also for your family you know what does BAU version two look like and you know remove some of the business or a lot of the business. you know work out 
um, you know, we've we've kind of been reduced to some very simplistic living of late, and and I think that gives us the perfect opportunity to then think, well, do I want to return to all those busyness? You know, do do my kids need to do those four hundred and fifty after school activities that I have them enrolled in? Um, do I need to be stretching myself so thin? What is absolutely most important to me and my family and my business or my career? How do I focus on that and how do I do things differently? Now, right now is the time to redesign that. Mm, I love it. So, Kate, where can people get your book, your book, Me First, The Guilt-Free Guide to Prioritising You? Where can they get it? So it's available uh, online. It's in all great bookstores. Uh, I know that you have a huge following in America. It's uh, available. I've just very excitedly signed a deal with uh, Target in the U.S., and so it's going to be stocked in all Target stores in America. Uh, so it's it's available where all good books are sold. Oh, congratulations! By the way, that is <laughs> thank you, massive. It, it is. You just subtly dropped that into conversation. I'm like going, hell no, we're going to celebrate. <laughs> well, I only found out last night, so I, I guess I'm I'm still I, I'm yet to wipe the grin off my face, and but I'm still sort of pissing it. It's, it's massive. It's massive. It is massive and it is so exciting and huge, huge, huge congratulations. I'm raising a virtual glass of sparkles for you. Okay, <laughs> um, my, my last question. Um, what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, I love that. I, I want to be remembered for three things. I want to be remembered by my children as being a beautiful, wonderful absolutely available mum. I want to be remembered in my business as giving my all and living true to my values and loving helping people. And I want to be remembered as that chick who helped a lot of individual women step into their space, find the time to do everything that they want so they can curate an awesome life. Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today. Good, good luck with the book. Um, it really is a truly awesome book. There are so many fabulous tips in there. And uh, you absolutely don't have to be a working mother to get lots of uh, lots of input into from this. You know, I know my husband actually does a lot of the stuff around the home and uh, I've been feeding him tips and tools because I think everybody is is exhausted and the more that we can get back into control to be the best version of ourselves um the 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 more that that's needed as we reimagine our future so thanks so much for writing this book and good luck with everything thanks so much for having me as your guest today we hope you enjoyed listening to the janine garner show to follow her blog purchase her books or find out more visit her website janinegarner.com.au brilliant people extraordinary results